Bible says that he that dwells in the shadow of the Most High shall, shall abide in the shelter of the Almighty. He that dwells in the shadow of the Most High shall abide in the shelter of the Almighty. How many need some shelter this morning? Amen. Is there anybody that needs some shelter this morning? I don't know who's going through what, but I know there's some out there that are going through some medical issues that need to come under the shelter of the Almighty. Amen. The protection of the Almighty. To lean on the everlasting arm of our God and Father. Father, this morning we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in us, God. Lord, we thank you for your healing powers. We know you have them. <laughs> we know that you're still in the healing business this morning, God. So with all eyes closed and all heads bowed, Father, Lord, I pray that you'd minister to those that are in need this morning. God, they're in need of your shelter this morning. The enemy's come but to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus, you said that you've come that we might have life and life more abundant. So, Father, right now we speak life unto these bones, Father. <laughs> we speak life, God, into these bodies, Lord God. The name of Jesus is above every name, even the name of cancer. <laughs> so, Father, we declare your word this morning. And, Jesus, we cry upon your name. We lift it high, God, higher than any other small G-O-D that might be in our life, Father. We lift up the name of Jesus because it's above every name. And as the song says, it's it's the name of Jesus, and in the name of Jesus, demons have to flee. So, Father, right now, we command those demons to flee in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, we plead the blood of Jesus over each and every one here, over each and every circumstance, Father. Father, for tumors, God, for growths, um, for ulcers, God, we call out those names, Father, to be under the name, under subjection to the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, we give you thanks and we give you praise for the love and the compassion that you have for your people. And we thank you that you are our healer. You are our refuge. Father, your word says that you're you're our ever-present help in the time of need. Ever-present help, meaning that you're here, God. You're present, Father, with us. We thank you that for that, Lord God. Lord, we love you. God, we need you. <laughs> and we thank you, Father, for all that you're doing in us and all that you desire to do through us, God. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Y'all, before you sit down, hug three necks that you don't know.
Father, we thank you for calling us together here this morning corporately to worship you. We come from busy lives, busy schedules, busy, 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 busy everything. And just now, Lord, we ask you to rid our minds of all that busyness. Of all the thoughts of last week and the problems that we had. Of all the worries about next week and what lies ahead there. We know that you're in control. Thank you, God, that you're in control. And Lord, we thank you for allowing us to worship you. God, you are the father to the fatherless. You are the defender of widows. And you are God. Your dwelling is holy. And through your Holy Spirit, this is your dwelling. We are your dwelling. Come. Come, Holy Spirit, and invade us just now. In Jesus' name. Amen. We are finishing up um, a section of the series on the power of forgiveness. This section I've titled, uh, How Can I Forgive Others? And this is our third week dealing with How Can I Forgive Others? Uh, If you have missed some of these sessions, uh, I'm sorry. We will have some way for you to get them eventually, but right now we don't. Our website's not uh, functioning with podcasts. Uh, we will make sure that I'm going to make sure that by the first of July it is. Um, I have filled in blanks from the last several weeks uh, in red here on your handout, so that may help you somewhat. Um, we talked about uh, forgiveness not being justifying others' actions or, or trusting the passage of time to take care of things or denying that we're hurt at all or not confronting the other person. That gets us nowhere. The verse that I centered on for this section of the power of forgiveness comes from Ephesians Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 to be exact. And in this church, we believe that the Bible is the infallible Word of God. It's the only standard that we have for our faith and for our life. So listen as I read from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. We also looked at a portion of the Lord's Prayer that says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those that sin against us. And we talked about how powerful that statement really is when you boil it right down to the, to the core. We will be forgiven in the portion that we forgive Others. So how can you forgive others? I talked about a biblical process for forgiveness, and we were looking at several of these steps. The first one was, remember how much I've been forgiven. Remember how much 
you have been forgiven. We took some time that first week to think, to meditate on how much God has forgiven you. What were those things that God has forgiven you for? Some pretty powerful things in some of our lives. Yet he forgives us. And I said that the big idea was this. Only forgiven people can forgive other people. So we have to remember first that we are forgiven. Or we won't be able to forgive other people as well. The second step in the biblical process for forgiveness was release them entirely. Release that person entirely. And we talked through what that really meant. And I told you that forgiveness is not an emotion. It's not some way we feel. Oh, I feel like forgiving them today. Or, you know, I don't feel like forgiving them right now. Forgiveness is not an emotion. Forgiveness is always a choice that we have. A choice. Your choice, my choice. You make a choice to forgive other people. And I gave you several ways that you might go about... um, using these techniques, I guess, to forgive people. I, I got those in your, in your handout here. Uh, you could write a letter to the person that's offended you, and I gave you envelopes and paper and asked you if you wanted to write, write that letter. If it's this first kind of letter, then you've either put it in a drawer somewhere or you've burned it. In either case, it's your release papers to release you from from that uh, guilt and shame that you have. And it's your freedom. It really is your freedom because that's what God wants more than anything else is that we live in freedom through this uh, process of forgiveness. The second thing I said you could do is write another letter. And you could drop that letter in these baskets up here, or you could mail the letter to the person to whom you're addressing the forgiveness. Um, Powerful, powerful statement there. And once again, if you want to drop them in, I'll, I'll put stamps on them. You won't have to worry about that. We won't open them. That's not what we're about. You just uh, uh, address it. You don't have to have a return address, whatever. And just stick them in the baskets up here. I won't even know whose who's, uh, envelope it is. The third thing I said you could do is sit with an imaginary someone and carry on an imaginary conversation. And I told you to be very careful not to do this in the park somewhere or on the beach because somebody's going to have you locked up. But if you can just talk to an empty chair kind of like knee-to-knee and toe-to-toe, and tell them exactly what you feel, how you feel, why you feel that way. Get it off your chest. It makes that forgiving process so much better, so much easier. And the fourth thing I said you could do was you could take a picture of the person that's harmed you, and you could talk to that picture. Or you could draw on the picture. I think uh, you remember we did a little... uh, cartoon study of one of our dear people here last week, Jay, and uh, I I removed it so you wouldn't have to worry about it uh, this week. Whatever process, whatever way that you choose, 
this process of setting someone free, it's key to your freedom. And God wants you to experience that freedom in forgiveness. That's his goal. What you're really doing when you forgive someone is you're saying, I'm releasing my rights. I'm giving up my rights. First of all, my right to repayment. When we get hurt, we think that somebody owes us something. Ah, I have to get uh, re remuneration for that. But you're saying when you forgive them, that person no longer owes me anything. I'm not, they're not in debt to me in any way. And secondly, you're releasing your right to revenge. This is a tough one. You're saying, no longer am I going to seek revenge from you. It's okay. Besides, God says that he will take care of that. Romans 12, 17 says this. Never pay back evil with evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are, in, you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Revenge is mine, says the Lord. Releasing the person entirely. That is the hardest step, the most difficult step of all these five that we're going to look at, but it's the biggest step. If you can get over that hurdle, then you're, you're almost home. The third thing is realize God's purpose in the process. And we looked at uh, Genesis chapter 50, I believe it was. In, in Genesis chapter 47 through 50, you have the story of Joseph. Go read that story. It's a great story if you don't know the story of Joseph. And we won't go through it now, but at the end of Genesis, Joseph says this to his brothers. Joseph told them, don't be afraid of me. Am I God to judge and punish you? As far as I am concerned, God turned into good what you meant for evil. Every situation, I don't care what the situation is, how dire it, it seems, God can turn that situation into good. He loves to do it. He's a miracle worker. He turns crucifixion, crucifixions into resurrections. That's the miracle of forgiveness. And he wants to do the same in your life. God can bring a purpose out of your pain. He can bring a ministry out of your misery. He can bring healing out of any hurt that you have. That's the miracle of the power of forgiveness. Remembering, releasing, recognizing. Those are the first three steps. And those first three steps are mandatory. You can't skip any of those. And then we come to step number four where we actually will start today. The biblical process for, un for forgiveness, step four, is reestablish the relationship as much as possible. 
reestablish that relationship. And I've got in parentheses there as much as possible, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Once again, I want to tell you that some of this information uh, came out of a book called The Gift of Forgiveness by Charles Stanley. There's some of them over on the info counter there. If you will uh, see the gentleman over at the info counter, he will, he will help you with this book. I think they're $13 or something if you want to read more about the gift of forgiveness. Charles Stanley. One of the things that this book reminded me of, as I, as I look back at it uh, several weeks, about a month ago, I guess, is this. Forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same thing. Don't get them confused. Forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same thing. I mean, you've heard the saying, we maybe say it ourselves, forgive, forget, restore. Forgive, forget, restore. But they're entirely different things. And there are times, hear me, there are times when you should not reconcile. There are times when you should not reestablish that relationship. For example, don't reestablish a relationship if it's going to lead to additional personal harm to you. You were harmed by a person once. You try to go and, and reestablish the relationship as best as you can, and you get harmed again and again and again. That's the freedom that God gives you. He gives you the choice to decide whether this is a good thing or not a good thing. He never says in his word that you have to reestablish the relationship. He says you have to forgive them, but he never says you have to reestablish that relationship. Let's say a, a, a spouse is abused by, abused by her husband, and she goes back once and still abused. I, I would counsel that person, don't go back. Don't reestablish that relationship. Forgive them, Yes. But don't go back and get in the midst of that and get hurt yourself. It seems that it only escalates every time, by the way, that that happens. It's unhealthy. You get to use your own wisdom, your own noggin that, that God gave you. And don't reestablish the relationship if the other person is unaware that they've harmed you. I think we do this. Many times this happens in our lives and it's happened in my life for sure somebody comes along and harms you and then they walk away blissfully unaware that they've said anything that has hurt you or harmed you they don't even know what words they said and it would actually cause more pain to them and probably more pain to you as well if you went to them and tried to reestablish re that relationship. Number three, also don't reestablish the relationship just to expect an apology from the person. That's not a motivation for reestablishing a relationship. 
I'm going to get them to apologize to me. It's almost like the repayment that we talked about. You go to them and you expect something to happen in a particular way. You, you expect that we're all going to come together and hug one another and, and the person's going to fall down on their knees before you and say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I think that happens in the movies, but I don't believe it really happens that much in real life. So if you think you're going to get an apology and that's your motive to expect an apology, don't even try. You see, whether or not you can reestablish that relationship, you must release them. That's mandatory, remember? You must look for God's purpose in this pain that you're going through. That's also mandatory. The Bible seems to say that if you can't reestablish the relationship, what you can do is you can begin to act positively toward that person. Begin to act positively. Romans 12.21 says, I think this is in your handout, don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing evil. No, that's not what it says, does it? just wanted to see if you were paying attention. I mean, after all, two wrongs make a right, don't they? No, they don't. First, take evil and then conquer evil with evil? That makes no sense. I actually heard on TV the other day a well-known individual say, he came down hard on me? So I'm going to come down even harder on him. That's not what the Bible says to do. It may feel good for you to think that you've got that much power, but that's not what the Bible says. Let me read this verse to you again, Romans 12, 21. Let's see if I can get it right this time. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. By doing good. So what does that mean? It means even if you can't reestablish the relationship, and remember, that's the ultimate goal that God has for you, to reestablish that relationship. But if you can't, you can still begin to act in a positive way toward that person. You can begin to change the way you think, and you think good thoughts about that person. You, be, you can begin to pray not for God's vengeance against that person, but for God's blessing on that person. You can begin to look for situations where you might be able to act in a positive way toward that person. You may decide to stop talking altogether about the situation. Just don't say any more about it. You might say, hey, look, I've assassinated this person's character enough now I'm going to act in a positive way, as positive as I can toward this person. So biblically, it's okay not to restore a relationship. Let's say your best friend, for example, has an affair with your spouse. That would be an injustice. That's a 
painful thing. That would be a breach of trust. And according to the Bible, you are required to forgive that friend. But you're not required biblically to remain friends with that person. Thankfully, God says you've got to love everybody. He doesn't say you have to like them. There's a huge difference. Reestablishing the relationship doesn't mean that you're still going to hang out on Saturday nights together. That's over. The breach has already happened. Forgiveness, yes. Reconciliation, only if it's possible. You see, if you have forgiven the offender, you've released that person, you should feel no guilt. You should feel no shame, even when the relationship does not get restored. That's not, that's not your, your fault. It's okay not to restore the relationship. And there are even times that we could think of when, when you shouldn't. Romans uh, twelve eighteen seems to speak to some of this. It says, do your part to live in peace with everyone as much as possible. That was the parentheses I had be behind your fill-in there. As much as possible. First, do your part. Do your part. What does, what does that mean? It means it's up to you, remember, to choose to forgive. You have a choice. Forgiveness is a choice. You do your part. You can't force the other person to receive the forgiveness. But you can do your part by releasing them. Do your part. Work on your side of the equation. That's the only part that you can do. And then it says, as much as possible. If possible, but you, I, you know and I know it's not always possible, is it, to, to do that. And if that's the case, skip on to the next step. Don't spend years and years and years trying to, to make them you know, accept your forgiveness. They may never do that. The fifth biblical process, the fifth step in the biblical process of forgiveness is this. Repeat the process. Repeat the process. I don't know whether you've ever looked at the back of a shampoo bottle. And you have to search the shelves these days because... Uh, unlike shampoo bottles used to have directions back here, the new ones are different. This says, wash hair, apply shampoo, lather, rinse, repeat. Wash hair, apply shampoo, lather, rinse, repeat. So the fifth step is repeat the process. Wash, rinse, repeat. It's the same process that you have for forgiveness. Isn't that neat? You can look at your shampoo bottle and remember what we talked about. Now, those new shampoo bottles in there, and I look, I searched all the shelves, and this baby shampoo is the only one that, that really had the old directions. The new ones say something like, wash your hair, rinse it, and then buy some of our other products that will go along with it. I mean, they've gotten marketing savvy uh, here with, the, with their shampoos even. 
you're going to go through this process, you see, for the rest of your life. It doesn't stop when you forgive a person one time. Hopefully, since that first week we began, you've been thinking about one person or several people that you need to forgive. And unless you're a hermit and you've lived kind of a sheltered life, really sheltered life, there's going to be a lot more people, a lot more people than these that you've thought about so far from your past that you need to forgive. They'll keep coming to mind. And you're going to have to repeat this process. You have to take these steps over and over and over again to find forgiveness in each situation. And just to be uh, totally honest with you, even if you forgive everybody in your past, there's still going to be more people in your future unless you're going to die today. Because we live in a fallen world. We live in an already not yet world. The time between when Jesus came the first time and he's coming back and everything's perfect, we live in this messed up place. So we're going to have to forgive people from now until Jesus comes back. God never promised perfection in this life. Just the opposite. So you're going to have to repeat this process over and over. In Matthew 18... Just before Jesus told that story about the king and the guy that owed him a million dollars, remember that story that we told the first week? Just before that happened, my friend and your friend, Peter, remember Peter? Well, he came to Jesus and he said, Jesus, how many times do we have to forgive another person? Man, that's a good question, isn't it? And Peter's bold enough to ask Jesus that. I'm not sure I would, but that's why we have Peter, so he can ask those questions. And you see, the law of Moses had an answer for it. The law of Moses, which any respectable Jew would follow, said you have to forgive them seven times. Seven times. But look at what Jesus says, Matthew 18, 22. And this is the message version. I liked this better than the others. Matthew 18, 22. Jesus replied, seven? Hardly. Try 70 times seven. Now, some of you legalistic engineer types in here, you just added that up, didn't you? And you came up with... 490. Very good. 490. Oh, I understand. 490 times I have to forgive them. That's not what Jesus is talking about at all. That's not his point. Jesus was saying, and I'm, I'm glad you asked me to tell you why. Jesus is saying, how many times should you forgive others? Well, as many times as you want God to forgive you. That's how many times. As many times as you want God to forgive you. So that's the real answer. Now, there's things in my life, I imagine there's things in your life that I've done thousands. I've done them wrong thousands of times. And I've had to go to God and ask for forgiveness. Now, what if, what if I went to him and he said, 
Oh, George, I'm so sorry. You know, you're out of luck. That was number 491. (laughs) But thank God he doesn't do that. Instead, no matter how many times I go to God, whether I ask for forgiveness, and whenever I ask for forgiveness, he forgives me. And he does it every time. Every time. Kind of makes you wish that you were a pastor too, doesn't it? I'm only kidding. Uh, The same is true for all of us, every one of us, no matter where you're from, no matter what you've done, no matter how many times you've done it, no matter who you've done it with, every time he will forgive you. So when you're hurt by other people and you, you go to God and you say, God, how many times do I have to forgive them? Remember, 70 times 7 in God's math does not equal 490. It's every time. Every time. And I know this is hard for a hard concept for some of you. And that's why I'm going to take a, a look at the same thought beginning next week in a... Um, section of this forgiveness series that I'm calling Is Forgiveness Really Forever? Is Forgiveness Really Forever? We'll be looking at that next week. You need to understand that one of the strongest theological teachings throughout the entire Bible is centered around this principle that our forgiveness from God is somehow connected to how we forgive other people. It's it's talked about over and over and over again. Four times in particular, we see this statement in Scripture that I I wrote down from Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others... Your Father will not forgive your sins. That's pretty strong language coming from Jesus. For Jesus to say that, this has to be a pretty big issue in the scheme of things. I think we can all agree that God wants what's best for you. And God says that the only way that you can experience his absolute best is to forgive other people. Then it opens the floodgates. Remember, when it comes to forgiving others, forgiveness is a choice. It's not an emotion. It's always a choice. It's always your choice. And today, you have a choice. On one side of the equation, you can choose to hold on to those grudges. You can choose to hold on to the desire for revenge. And you can let bitterness build up and run wild in your life. Bitterness can be the choice that you make. God is not going to force you. Remember, he gives you the choice. It's up to you, entirely up to you. 
But you should know this. If you choose bitterness and you allow it to run wild in your life, it's going to manifest itself in some amazingly unhealthy ways. High blood pressure, short temper, irritability, sleeplessness, an obsession with getting even with other people, depression, isolation, negative attitudes, and just this general feeling of ill health. I just don't feel good. I don't know what it is. I just don't feel good. Or you can choose to forgive another person, and you can find freedom, and you can find release, and you can find peace with God and peace with other people, and you can find health, and you can find joy. In general, when you choose to forgive, you're saying, God, take me and take me to a higher level. I want to be more like you. And that choice to choose forgiveness, that's up to you as well. And my challenge to you today is to choose freedom. To choose to forgive. To choose to forgive to release that person that you've been holding on to. Those thoughts that you've been holding on to. To drop the grudges. To take the action necessary so you can experience this freedom. That's the freedom that is found in the verse that I chose that we read here at the beginning. Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. We've talked about this for three weeks. And if you're ready to experience the freedom, then here in just a few seconds, I want you to pray this prayer to release that other person. And then once again, I want to invite you, whether you're a regular or whether you're a guest here for the first time today, I want to invite you to go beyond a a spiritual, intellectual exercise as we close out the service and, and write the initials or write the name of the person you're forgiving on these walls. We're calling them the walls of forgiveness. And then spiritually, physically, emotionally, walk out of here knowing that you have the freedom of forgiveness. It's yours. So let's pray. And whether or not you want to engage in this exercise of forgiveness, that's, that's okay. That's a choice, and it's, that choice is up to you. But if you're ready to forgive another person, pray this silently with me. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for how much you have forgiven me. And today, God, I'm forgiving... And you fill in that blank with a name or some names... God, today I'm forgiving 
blank, for another blank, whatever that is that you're forgiving them for. God, show me the action that I need to take to try to reestablish the relationship. And help me to forgive others as much as you have forgiven me. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes. Yeah, I said, um, God says you have to love the person. You have to love them. But you don't have to like them. You don't ever have to spend time with them again. You understand? Yeah, that, that was one of the biggest ahas for me in my life was when I found out that I have to love everybody. I'm required to love everybody. Regardless of what they've done to me or people I love, but I don't have to like them. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Thank you for asking. I wish we had more interactive sessions. Andy and I went to a conference down in, uh, I don't remember where it was, and there was a uh, black minister from the center of Philadelphia that was there, and he was in charge of a uh, um, AME, uh, African Episcopal Church, the largest one, I think, in America, there in the center city of Philadelphia. And he said that every week he comes and sits on a chair and does his message and lets people ask questions the whole time he's doing it. And he has 1,200 people in the service. Now, I don't know how that happens. I... We said we wanted to go and kind of observe one of those uh, services to see how in the world logistically you make that happen, but it can happen. So thank you, Doc. Thank you. <laughs> and this table, this table is all about forgiveness, as you know. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took some bread and he broke the bread and he said, Friends, this is my body that is broken for you. And after the meal, he took a cup and he poured wine into it, saying, this cup is the new covenant, the new covenant in my blood that's poured out for the forgiveness of all of your sins. He said, as often as you eat this bread and you drink this wine, you remember my death until I come. And he says that because in his death, he gave us forgiveness. He died for the forgiveness of all of our sins. And if he did that for us, why can't we do that for others who sin against us? They couldn't have possibly done worse to us than we did to him torture and death on a cross I think we have to remember that that's a huge step remember how much you've been forgiven
So as our servers come, take some time to meditate on that maybe. How much has God forgiven you? Who are the people that you need to forgive? Who do you want to write a letter to if you haven't already? If you have your letter, you can drop it in these baskets up here or maybe you've already mailed it or maybe you're one of those that has put it into a desk drawer or burned it in a fireplace. Any of those is okay. You've taken some action, which is the important part, to forgive. The receiving part on the other end is not your responsibility. You cannot make that person forgive you. You can forgive them, but you can't make them forgive you. A lot of times it only makes the situation worse. Love them. Think positive thoughts toward them. Do positive actions toward them. But you don't have to like them. And get on with it. Get on with it. The baskets up here are for your connect cards, for your tithes and offerings, for those letters that you've written. The ministry team are on either side here to pray with you about any issue. Maybe, maybe you are stubborn and you've got a, a neck cervical uh, problem and this is your time. You heard him. We had to call him back. He was leaving. He just said, y'all pray for me. He was leaving. We had to call him back and say, Shane, come here. Let us pray for you now. You know? They want to pray for you now. Go to them now and let them pray for you. The walls of forgiveness are up here. There's plenty of chalk. I want to have these things absolutely covered up in the next several weeks. Then I have a surprise for you. Stick with us. Come to his table this morning. He's inviting you and calling you by your name. To his table of forgiveness. Come.